Good morning, church. Thank you. Let's pray. Father God, we do thank you for uh, the church in uh, Colossae who needed help, needed Paul to write them a letter. And Lord, thank you that that, that that letter has survived and that we can read it today uh, and to take some of its gold dust and to apply it to our lives here in Winchester. Lord, we do pray that the wisdom uh, we hear from Scripture won't just fall uh, uh, on empty ears, but will land in our hearts and our minds and send us out into your world to be people full of grace and mercy and peace. Amen. As a church, we are continuing our series on the book of Colossians. Uh, and we've called this, or Simon has called this, uh, in his uh, creativity, which just oozes from him, uh, this word, thanks, living. And it's because Paul's letter to the church, uh, uh, the, to the Colossian church, is full of advice uh, and it's full of instruction on how you and me should live lives full of grace and gratitude. Today, I want to talk about how we become alive in Christ. In our text today, Paul now turns his attention out of what, uh, towards what does it truly mean to be human? How are you and I today in Winchester uh, to become more like Christ? Having explained in the previous chapters how their freedom, how the church's freedom has been purchased on the cross by Christ, Paul now starts to unpack uh, to this church plant in Colossae that their concerns must not be on the uh, earthly things, but on those things which are above. You see, it was the fake news of the many fake teachers who had removed the central figure, King Jesus, that Paul is now desperately trying to correct here. Friends, the only means of reaching the things that are truly above is via King's Cross. Not the station, that will get you so far, but the cross of Christ. This is because Jesus is not fake news, but he is the good news. Yet we must be careful here, because in our text today, we have to see it as not a way when we're looking up and not looking down around us, as a way of Paul justifying for me and you to check out on society. We are, yes, to set our minds on the things above, but we should see it as an invitation and a challenge to step into the ethical values of our society. As disciples, I really believe that we are to run towards culture, not away from it. If we run towards it, we can make it look more like King Jesus. We must never forget also that God chose a, a specific time and a specific place to bring his rescue plan in baby Jesus. And when Jesus was born, he himself stepped into a culture that was relevant to him, that he shaped and he challenged. When I was being grilled to join the priesthood, 
Uh, many people asked me in the Church of England, and they all had amazing titles like Archdeacon and Assistant Area Dean and Examining Chaplain. I felt like they'd made them up when I knocked on their doors to go and uh, ask them if they would ordain me. Uh, they asked me, why the Church of England? And it's a great question, because Bethany and I had been a part of the independent charismatic church for many years beforehand. So if leadership is what I was after, why not stay there? Well, apart from my belief that everyone really is a closet Anglican, they just don't know it yet, <laughs> it's the Church of England's sacramental core, its belief in the Eucharist and in baptism. And in all it does, that made me go, yes, this is a movement of people at its best, and it's not always like that, that wants to see the nation renewed as it follows the way of Jesus. Put simply, I decided that I wanted to join a church that wanted to be a part of every aspect of our civic and spiritual and ethical lives. Friends, there is no part and no level of society that is not immune from broken relationships. There's no part that is not in pain and is not suffering. There isn't anywhere that God also won't go. The gospel goes everywhere. It goes everywhere. If it's not, if it doesn't, we then need another gospel. And this is why I think in our text today, Paul is encouraging us to live lives that are full of compassion, kindness, and gentleness. And in verse 4, it's our new intimate union with Christ himself that gives us this hidden new life. And as we're hidden in the cross, and as we return back to our default with Jesus, we know that we should share it with society and we should be people who are full of action and of grace. Tonight, Anya and Becca will get baptized, and it's a beautiful, monumental moment because they will start a lifelong journey of following Jesus each and every day. And it's in their baptism that Becca and Anya will start to shift their attentions from the earthly stuff to the heavenly spheres instead. It won't be easy, but with this church behind them, with friends across the city praying for them, and with God behind them, they are on to a winner. Baptism is a beautiful thing because it starts, does it not, to undo those things that make us slaves to fear. Over time, it starts to reset us back to who we were meant to be, right from the very beginning, back to that garden in Genesis. You and me are to be holy, are to be peaceful, are to be the children of God. In verses 5, Paul's letter shifts now from the description of what our new reality as Christians and believers should look like to what it should feel like and how it should be. I don't know about you, but when I read Paul's uh, list, I feel unworthy. When it came up on our screen, how did it land with you? I lust, 
I'm greedy. I'm a work in progress. Paul's, Paul here is naming those common moral challenges of his day. And many of them remain here with us, don't they? The brilliant named American evangelist, Dwight Moody, once wrote this. Christianity is one beggar telling another beggar where he or she found bread. Christianity is one beggar telling another beggar where he or she found bread. Mr. Moody, as I now call him, reminds us, reminds me, that baptism is not just a spiritual thing, it's not just a spiritual action, but it is decidedly social too. Just as the early Christians who were baptized removed their clothing before they entered holy water, they came out and they were reclothed afterwards with new clothes. This church in Colossae is urged to put on the behavior that's appropriate to their new lives and their new identity. Sisters and brothers, are you afraid to leave your past behind? What work of grace do you know that God wants to start in you today? What do you need to trust and leave with God at the cross again? There really is a power, a resurrected grace that can deal with the muck and the shame that you and I are carrying. And we know what it's called. It's called the grace that comes through the gift of the Holy Spirit. So how, on this cold uh, winters or spring, I'm not quite sure what season we're at the moment, I think climate change has moved things around a bit, but on this cold morning, how do we become alive in Christ? Well, for Paul and for this church, it's in our baptism that we start to live free from the crud that gets us down. We become hidden because we, in time, will be revealed with Jesus in the fullness of time. The wonderful Paula Gooder, a contemporary theologian, once wrote this in her book, uh, Easter, in her book about Easter. And it's a great book, and it's called The Risen Easter. And as we're heading towards Easter, why not buy it why is you buy, when you buy your Easter eggs as well? And she tells this story of how in the middle of a meal, one of her daughters suddenly said this, Mommy, how, how does Jesus make us real? Well, Paula, you know, this theologian, PhDs, you know, she has those for breakfast, uh, was thinking about the correct theological response. Her daughter said this, does he draw us first and then color us in? Paula comments that this is a wonderful description of resurrected life. God is the artist. God is coloring you in each and every day with his gifts. So this week, this month, this season, how will you let God color you in again? You see, to be a Christian is not about having it all sorted, but it's about belonging. 
It's about journeying on day one at your baptism to day 101 or whatever, how many days, hopefully more than 101, how many days you have following the way of Jesus and becoming more like him. Sisters and brothers, let the Holy Spirit do the Holy Spirit's work. Let it transform you. Let it renew you. Let it send you out with grace and hope each and every day. We simply, we simply cannot do it on our own. We need help. Many of you will know Kev, the chap who serves the big issue down outside the Tesco shop on the high street. Last year, we got to know each other uh, and to share our stories. And just before Christmas last year, we were sharing our best jokes. I won't tell you them here. I'll spare you from that. But as we were sharing our best jokes just outside the Tesco store, he said to me this very interesting line, and I didn't know how to respond to it at the time. But he said this to me. You are one of those new vicars. You are one of those new vicars. You're not like the other ones. It was a very odd thing to say, but he meant it. And I wonder this morning, what do you think Kev meant about such a statement? Well, I hope that what Kev meant was this. When he looked at me, and when he looked at other Christians standing before him, he saw the hope and the love of Jesus. The hope and a love and an acceptance that the world could not give him and he knew that the world would not give him. Today is my last Sunday here at Christchurch. And as I go, I want to leave you with three words. This is not a new strategy for the church, so don't worry, Simon. It's not a new preaching series. I haven't got the skills for that yet. But the three words that I felt God want me to bring to this church for this time are these. Dream, believe, and go. We need to dream because churches and those people who make the church, not the building, we need many people who will learn and adapt and become the change makers who will influence society, influence government, influence the ethical dilemmas that our world are facing, influence the future of our world and its future. And we need dreamers, do we not, who will get creative with God because he is the most creative and the most wonderful so that we can start to solve the problems that we face, not to run away from them, not to retreat, but to get right in the thick of it. We have a part to play. We need to believe to stay close to Jesus and to believe in his church. We need to be gentle with one another because each of us are hurting in our own way. We need to believe that in a post-pandemic world, we can and we should remain, be, remain being the church without walls. Let's not put the walls back up that we've worked so hard to put down. And as we reopen church, we must believe that we are not to just reset and go back to what we did, 
But how do we set up this building, this team, this church to evangelize to a new generation? And thirdly and lastly, we are to go. Sisters and brothers, continue to open your eyes to the world around you. Trust that Jesus is already there before you realize that issue matters or that that's something you should be investing your time in. Chase Jesus down into the issue that you care about. Jesus is heading home to this earth. So get busy with society and make this society a Jesus-centered culture. If we don't, other faiths, other worldviews, other people will step in. And if we want to make our world a Jesus-centered culture, what will it look like? It will be one Paul tells us today that's full of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. So dream, believe, and go. Over to you.